right? So all we're trying to do with Remix is we're trying to say, look, we're going to try and guide you in the right way. What we think is is the good way to, to, to build the apps. Hello, welcome to the DevTools FM podcast. This is a podcast about developer tools and the people who make them. I'm Andrew, and this is my co-host, Justin. Hey, everyone. Today, we're joined by Michael Jackson, creator of Unpackage, uh, CDN for all things NPM, as well as co-creator of React Router, co-founder of React Training, and you've also created Remix. Uh, a lot of this alongside your longtime cohort, Ryan Florence. Welcome, Michael. So great to have you here. Is there anything else you'd like to tell our audience about yourself? Yeah, no, thank you, Justin. And thank you, Andrew, for having me on the podcast. Uh, super happy to be here. I think you... You pretty much nailed it. All the all the all the stuff that I built. I've been been a busy busy guy over the last couple of years, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. I just wanted to start off by saying, so I, I work at Oxide Computer Company, and the front end aspect of our product is is rather small at the moment, but we're really big fans of the work that you, Ryan, and others have have put into Remix. Uh, like the design patterns, just the philosophy, everything. It's really inspirational. So maybe that's just a great place to start. Would you like to take a moment to, to talk about what is Remix from a high level and then maybe some of the, the thought that went behind putting it together? Yeah. So first of all, thank you so much. We like that. That's high praise. And I really, I really, really appreciate that. We have put a ton of uh, thought and effort into the APIs that we've that we've settled on and hopefully we'll get into some of that and talk about some of that. But, you know, our goal really is just to push the web forward. There's, uh, and I don't want this to come across as too negative, but there is a lot of, there, there are just so many different opinions nowadays about how to build stuff for the web. And I feel like some of it is really good stuff. Some of it is really well informed and is good for users. And then some of it is not good. For users, some of it is bad advice. <laughs> surprise, <laughs> you know, to anybody who's who's been around a while, I, I don't think that should come as a surprise that you you can't believe everything you read on the internet. But yeah, there's so remixes. I feel like are kind of our way to put the, a flag in the in the ground, if you will, and say, no, no, we we have some opinions about how this stuff should be done, and we have some opinions about what is good for users, what is good for the user experience, how things should be built. Whereas in the past, we've been kind of unopinionated. People have built, uh, so, so React Router is our main open source project that we've worked on since 2014, which by the way, this afternoon, we pushed the button on releasing V6, which has been in development for about two years now. Um, crazy yeah, to think about that. Awesome. But, um, but, but thank you. So, but React Router is, is like a very unopinionated thing, uh, fairly unopinionated, right? People have built amazing experiences with React Router. People have built really not amazing experiences with React Router. And it's always kind of depressing to me when I see a not great experience built with React Router because I think maybe I didn't guide them well enough. Maybe I didn't give them enough tools to to do it the right way. And so Remix is kind of our our attempt to put down some opinions and help people to really build better better sites. Yeah, that's awesome. I really have enjoyed just reading through the the sort of like guiding principles of Remix. So, you know, like use the platform, very basic yeah. sort of thing, but like minimize your abstractions and try to try to do things as closely as like, if you didn't have this like honking huge framework, what would you do? You know, mm -hmm. you know, it's a nice way to, to work because you can just always fall back on the platform, like using forms to do user inputs. hundred percent. Yeah. It, it, it's funny that that's rev, you know, like revolutionary or interesting, right? Because it seems so basic, right? But nowadays, if you look around at how are people doing data mutations, right? How do you build a great form on the internet today or, or a great you know, experience for mutating some data on the server, updating a record in your database? Especially when you think about what, what are all the different concerns that you might have? You might want to do something fancy like providing some optimistic UI or, you know, a progress indicator, a loading indicator, obviously errors come into play, right? 
Where are you going to do that validation? Are you going to do it on the client side? Are you going to do it on the server side? Are you going to do both? Are you going to um, update the URL? Are you going to model this as a, as a full page transition so that this will, will, will take them to a new page? For example, like a, like a login form, right? Where somebody logs in and now they're taken to a new page. Or is it more just like a, you know, like a little checkbox in a to-do list and, and they, they hit the checkbox and, and, and now that's done, right? So there's so many different questions with just this one little, you know, thing that we want to do, which is data mutations, updating some data on the server. Our goal with Remix has been, okay, so, and this is the way with everything that we build at Remix is, let's take a look at what the web gives us. What are the primitives that are available for us here? Well, the, 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 the primary interface for users to interact with your page is, uh, is a form. A link or a form. A link is for gets. And this is the way that I think about them. Links are, are for reads and forms are for writes. And links just take me to, to another page. Uh, a form is how I give you some data and that's how I get it back. So our, so our whole mutations, our whole data mutations story is built around HTML forms instead of an eight or nine kilobyte JavaScript library that you dump on the page so that you can do, do fetches and things like that. Yeah, so it seems like you're falling back on like classic web technology, like links and forms. They've been around for a while. Does Remix use like any bleeding edge tech, or does it try to try to stay within something that's supported by most browsers? Well, so that's that's the really interesting piece of it, right? Because we are historically we've we've been the creators of you know React Router, which is I, I was kind of amazed at the the other day. I, I told you we just released V6 today. And I was just amazed at the download numbers, like so many, you know, millions and millions of people around the world are using this client side routing library traditionally for client side routing, which you would, you could say is like a fairly modern technique, client side web apps. I, I think we, we started building, uh, we built the first fully client side iteration of Twitter was back in 2012 when I was working at Twitter. So in the last decade or so, these, these, these apps have moved into the client and then there's obviously, you know, hybrid web apps nowadays, but, but anyway, the, uh, the client, the, the client rendered thing, right. The, the building an app client side is, is what I would say is a fairly cutting edge technique. Obviously it comes with trade-offs, but we've been there at the forefront of people who are, who are building those apps for a long time now. People have built some amazing cutting edge experiences. I remember, I still remember seeing the netflix.com app. When the, the engineers who worked there, they showed me Netflix.com was built with React Router. And it was one of the most beautiful things I'd ever seen on the web, right? Like very, very heavy in assets, very, very heavy in graphics. You click into different shows or different movies and they kind of like animate in and then they're, they're playing this beautiful movie. And so, so people can build very, very, very cutting edge things with React Router. And I, and I kind of use React Router and Remix sort of interchangeably because React Router really is the heart of Remix. Remix adds like so much more, um, but but they're they're very very closely related. Um, so yeah, we we are definitely to say that we use web standards is not saying that we are issuing these more modern ways of doing things. Not at all. Absolutely not at all. We just want you to do it the right way. You know, we we don't want you to, uh, for example, build up a big cache of data in memory. Uh, which a lot of modern client-side data libraries will do. Uh, we don't want you to do that because uh, what's going to happen when the user clicks the reload button or what's going to happen when they navigate to a different domain and then hit the back button? Well, they're not going to have that, right? Uh, so even though you might've thought that that was a really cutting edge sort of modern way to do it, it's actually not that great for the user. Um, and instead of caching in memory, we'll cache in the HTTP cache. Uh, which it turns out is is better for the user because you're now using the, the browser's built-in cache. They navigate to a different domain, they hit the back button. You can pull that data right back out of the cache instead of hitting your server again. I think things like that, right? So we're trying to make decisions that are good for users, um, but that are also help you build amazing, really, really fast uh, cutting edge experiences. Just, it's like, don't, don't, don't get rid of everything in the past. <laughs> You know, they, they, these, these web technologies are there for a reason and they're good. We just need to use them in the right way. And I, and I think 
But for the last couple of years, especially like in the React community, the term use the platform kind of took on this sort of negative connotation almost because people in, in React and, and other component-based frameworks were like, well, I can't build a, a nice select box or I can't build a really nice button. The, web, the platform is garbage. I need, to, I need to throw away the platform and I want to just, I'm going to just build everything in JavaScript. Uh, I'm even going to put my CSS in JavaScript. And, and I'm not saying that all of that was bad. I'm just saying that this, there was this kind of backlash where, you know, a lot of dev advocates at companies like Google would say, hey, why don't you use the platform instead? Because people who are on a, a really slow connection or on a mobile device, uh, they're not having a great experience with all of this JavaScript that you're making them download. So why don't you use the platform instead? And so it, it was kind of what I believe is kind of a false um, uh, uh, conflict between the two. I, I think you can use the platform and you can also create amazing experiences, cutting edge experiences. I just think there's, you, you can do those if you understand how to use the platform. Um, so yeah, we're not, we're not advocating for like going back to the olden days of, you know, we're, we're very much at the, at the cutting edge uh, and people are building incredible cutting edge experiences with React Router. I was just using, I'm not sure if either of you have used um, uh, for Remix, uh, one, one app that we really enjoy using is Linear. It's like this issue oh, tracker. Yeah. And, and that thing is such an impressive app. It is, it is, it's a web app, but you forget that it's a web app because it is instantly responsive. No matter what you do, um, it is instantly responsive and it's built with React Router and, and I'm sure a bunch of their own, you know, special sauce. I could visualize another company building an issue tracker that's not nearly as impressive by making a completely different set of choices, right? So all we're trying to do with Remix is we're trying to say, look, we're going to try and guide you in the right way, what we think is is the good way uh, to, to build the apps. There's a, a colleague of mine who I talk to from time to time, Alex Russell uh, on Twitter, who who he kind of gets some flack from people uh, because he he's constantly pointing out these terrible user experiences that are being built uh, by people using a lot of the existing tooling that's out there today. And he's like, you know, th th this this is terrible. Like the the web can't be like this. We need to be better than this. We need to do better than this. And sometimes he gets some pushback from people, but I, I really respect him for, for what he's trying to do, because what he's saying is like, Hey, we need to build better stuff than this. And that's why we adopted in our tagline for Remix. Well, it wasn't because of him. It was just because I, I agree with him, but our tagline in Remix is build better websites. We can do better than this. Let's just not forget all of the great things that are on the web. Let's, let's start there. And let's move forward. Yeah, I think, I mean, one of the hard things about building on the web platform generally is that your set of decisions that you need to make is, is very, very large. I mean, this is a, it's, it's an incredibly robust platform that we can ship all kinds of experiences on, but there are many, many, many ways to do that. And that, that continues to grow and there's no perfect way to do any one thing. Right. So it's like finding out where you draw that line is important. And I mean, I think that's something that I also just admire about remix. And then I've heard y'all talk a little bit openly about, so for example, other frameworks have made other choices. Like, so Next.js, for example, does a lot under the hood to statically generate content sort of at build time. And they have incremental static regeneration, which is also sort of like this, this build process they're going through. Whereas Remix, your philosophy is like, hey, CDNs exist. We have caching policies. This is exactly what this thing is for. Use this infrastructure. It's a different set of choices for like different problems, but, but ultimately like the choices you make can, you know, become very meaningful. So it's like uh, finding the right things to align yourself with. And I think the, the, the sort of conceptual notion of like, let's, let's invent as little as possible to be able to give you a solid experience is, is important. The whole like static site generation movement, because next isn't the only tool that, that kind of hopped on that wagon. It started, I think with Gatsby and then there are a lot, there are a lot of other tools that'll, that'll do it as well. And, um, I just think it's a very, very limited 
a subset of, of sites that you can build with it, first of all. Uh, eventually, I mean, we even see Gatsby is adding functions now. Next is their server-side props thing. Um, it, it seems like if, if that's where you start, if you start with just building static stuff, you eventually make your way back and say, okay, well, we, we actually do need a server-side handler here, at least one or two, you know, to handle a payment or handle a login or a session or something like that, right? If you're building anything more than just a, a, a static dev blog or doc site, as soon as somebody needs to authenticate, that whole model kind of goes out the window. And so what I think is, uh, is easier to do is conceptually, you can think about your, and, and of course, I don't want to make it seem black and white. Like there are, there are all, all sorts of different kinds of apps. As you said, Justin, all sorts of different decisions they have to make. So there's no like silver bullet here, but conceptually the way that I think about static sites or, you know, that your server is essentially this generator, right? So if I, if I, if I wanted a static site, um, I could stick a server behind a CDN and that server knows how to generate every single URL. And let's just say, for sake of discussion, this server sets, it, it only generates every single page once. And the caching headers that it sends back are, this page is immutable. It will never change, right? So it will never fall out of the cache, just, just for sake of argument. Um, on every request, except for the very first request for the page, that site would have the exact same performance as a static site, right? It, it would, you would hit the URL, the server would generate the page, it would end up in the CDN cache. And on every subsequent request, you would hit the CDN cache. Um, and, and you know, what's interesting is about this is, is I actually built a site like this, uh, which is called Unpackage. So Unpackage is uh, a site that was basically, a, it was just this idea that I had back in 2015. I was like, oh, I'll build a little uh, reverse proxy in front of NPM. And then people can get files out of tarballs from NPM uh, with a URL. So they can just plug a URL, unpackage.com slash react slash whatever path to the file in the tarball, and then get back that file. And, uh, and so Unpackage actually works a lot like this because, you know, once you publish something to NPM, you can't unpublish it or change it. So all the responses that Unpackage sends back are immutable for files on the, on the registry. And, uh, and it, 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 it's the kind of site where it would have been impossible to, to sort of pre-generate or statically build this entire site because there's a who knows how many billions of files now at this point have been published to the registry. Um, and, and so the model works very well there, but so, so it's kind of an, but it's, I recognize that it, it's kind of an extreme case, right? Not everybody's building a site where they can guarantee that content is going to be immutable, but, but the, I think the principle still holds, right? Even if you are building, you know, a much, much smaller site that is like a, a you know, a doc site or a dev blog. If you're if, like WordPress has been doing this for years, right? You, you have your, what do they call it? Like WordPress super cache or something like that, the plugin that you just stick in front of your WordPress instance in case you get, uh, in case you make it to the front page of Hacker News or whatever. And then, and, and, and you rely on the cache. You lean on the cache, you rely on the cache to make your site fast uh, in, in the case that your server is slow or you're overwhelmed or whatever. And so it's it's not, again, this this could be a case of like, it's not something incredibly new that we're advocating here, but um but it's it's something that if you are going to try and build an app like that today in React uh, or build a website like that, you actually wouldn't have very many options for doing that, for building that kind of a site. You, you probably have to kind of build a lot of that stuff on your own because the existing options that are out there kind of kind of guide you towards this site of this, this SSG model, um, which, as I said, again, I, I just don't think it has a ton of applications outside very strictly content sites, doc sites, and dev blogs. We're pretty comfortable with the approach that we're taking. We think it's it's going to help people build a lot of great experiences as, as they've been doing with React Router for years. Um, but then also, if you do want some of your pages to be statically generated at build time, um, how hard is that going to be for us to do? Not very hard at all, right? All, all it is is run a URL through the machine and put an HTML file in the public folder and you're good. So like building the machine first, going from going from a dynamics uh, site generator, like a server to a static build, I think is easier than starting with a static build and trying to tack functions on 
later once you realize it's not sufficient. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I've heard the core of Remix referenced as a compiler. Could you explain that a little bit? What's it compiling? Is it kind of like Vite where it's more in browser? So what's happening there? Yeah, it's a great question. So uh, the way I kind of think about Remix is it's a compiler for React Router. Compilers, it might seem funny to somebody to, 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 to sort of think about it this way, because if, if you're new to web development, you might think, well, haven't we always just compiled our web apps? And the answer is no. <laughs> We didn't. That's that's actually pretty new. I remember when I when I worked at Twitter, we used to have we had a file that uh, that we we just sort of cargo culted into our app from some other team that was working at Twitter. It was called twttr.js, and it was like that file was just sort of like making its way around. And if you needed something, some shared thing, you would just go and add it to that file, and then you just commit it. And then like the next team would come along and they would be like, oh, we need a, we need a thing in there too. Like, we'll just add it to the file. And then, and, and that file just was huge. And I remember opening it up one time and thinking like, I, I remember, uh, cause we, it, it had existed in the days before ES5. <laughs> and so it had like, it had like a lot of the array pro- prototype methods, like reduce and filter and like basic stuff in there. Except they had it like five or six times because the file was so long that like people didn't take the opportunity to like go back further in the box. So anyway, why, why am I saying this? Well, that was a decade ago. That was a decade ago at a high-tech company in downtown San Francisco. We were not building our apps. We were not using modules uh, and, and, and a compiler like Webpack and all that stuff. We were We were literally just like, writing JavaScript. Uh, we certainly didn't have TypeScript uh, or, or, you know, uh, uh, CSS and JS or a lot, a lot of the stuff that people nowadays are, are using compilers for. Um, and, 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 and honestly, it wasn't even a popular thing back then to pull code off of NPM. Like if you were doing Node, it was. But I remember the first time I saw, installed jQuery off of NPM, I was like, that's weird. <laughs> like jQuery, like why don't I just go to their website and download jQuery? Why am I installing it from NPM? Nowadays, if you're a JavaScript developer, it's like, why would you go to somebody's website and download a file? Why don't you just NPM install it, right? Like that is the way we get code, right? So, so the whole model of consuming front-end code has dramatically changed over the last eight or nine years. And, um, and, and so compiling for the web is now the thing. And installing dependencies, and that's how you share code. That is now also the way to do things. And so as a front-end team, the front-end development team, uh, your job has, has ballooned in the last 10 years. You used to just write JavaScript and HTML and CSS, and like, there's already enough there for you to know how to do, right? When you're talking about semantically sound, HTML, uh, building accessible apps and performance apps. There's a lot to discuss with those technologies, but now you, you also are moving further back in the stack. And so you now also have to understand compilers and build pipelines and even things like code splitting. How are you going to do that? And, and dynamic importing and loading the bundles at sort of runtime. And um, there are just so, so many concerns as a front-end developer now that you have that you didn't used to have. It used to be pop the script tags on the page and go. And so, uh, so yeah, so, so that's kind of how I tend to think about remixes. React Router is one piece of it. You can take React Router, you can server render it, you can not server render it. You can do code splitting with it, you could ignore code splitting. You can build a static site with it, you could build a fully dynamic site with it. It's not opinionated at all. You can build whatever kind of a site that you want with React Router. Uh, Remix comes along and says, hey, you know that that cool router that we built? Uh, we're actually going to build a framework for you to take full advantage of that router. So, uh, so we're going to you know give you TypeScript compiling right out of the box. Uh, we're going to give you things like a strategy for loading data right out of the box. So we're going to give you a, a strategy for mutating data right out of the box. And by the way, how do you keep that 
data fresh on the page as you do things as you, as you do mutate data? How do you keep other other routes data fresh? Um, how how do you do things like transitioning gradually or gracefully between routes? And so React Router or sorry Remix is uh, it it really is this uh, compiler that your your input into Remix is basically your routes on the file system, um, and then your output is this this code split server rendered app that uh yeah that we can run and we can run on node uh, we can run it in the browser we can also run it in places like cloudflare workers so that's something that i don't think we've we've even hit on yet but um you you mentioned i think justin before uh, before we started you said node was not an option for the app that you're working on um and and i totally totally get that Nowadays we have multiple JavaScript runtimes. So the, you know, the Cloudflare workers, people, uh, they just have these V8 isolates with this kind of custom runtime that's based on server work, service workers. And they're saying, Hey, we'll run that at the edge for you. Right. So that is, that is not node. Um, and I'm not speaking specifically to your, your use case because a lot of other people are, have that same case, but yeah, they're, they're building, uh, they're building something that is not node and they're saying, Hey, it's still JavaScript. You might maybe want to run your app here. Uh, and so one conscious decision that we made uh, early on in the, in the design for Remix was this thing is not going to be dependent on Node. Uh, we've also got Dino or Deno, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, that's, that's out there, right? That is also uh, not Node, definitely not Node. And Node has been forked in the past, you know? So like, I, I just anticipate that the future is going to be a proliferation of, of runtimes for JavaScript that, that are not Node. Node is going to be a big popular choice for a long, long time, but I think that we're going to see, see more and more options for developers going forward. Uh, and so Remix is not coupled to Node. We actually run natively on Cloudflare workers, we, and our server runtime is completely generic. We actually borrowed the idea for our server runtime from them. I, I said they, they based their whole thing on the service worker model which of course includes uh, the fetch API requests, response headers. We took that and we ran with it. And so our entire server runtime is generic and just runs on these requests and response objects uh, that conform to that exact same API. So, you know, we've already talked about how we love standards. I love standards. We're actually building on these web standards on the, on our server layer as well, which allows it to be portable across any runtime that supports that standard, which is really cool. Is this something that would generally run on what we would traditionally consider a uh, serverless platform? So like AWS Lambda, or are you specifically tar targeting like service worker-like APIs like Cloudflare or even the browser service workers, I guess? So we, we sometimes need a, a little bit of a translation layer depending on where we're running, right? So we have these things called adapters. Um, so our, our server runtime is generic, right? We just, we just deal with request and response objects with the fetch API with the service worker API. Um, but yeah, but if we are running on node, then we need a little bit of help, right? Cause node doesn't have those things. So we can install node fetch and now we can get those primitives running on node. We already get them running on Cloudflare workers, which is nice. They're already on Dino, which is nice as well. So, you know, whatever platform that we're on, if we're running on AWS Lambda, um, or Google Cloud functions, like wh wherever Remix is running. Um, if they have support for the Web Fetch API, great. If they don't, we'll polyfill it and Remix will run there too. Gotcha. Do you do anything special around data reads? So specifically in like serverless frameworks, database connections can be a problem uh, because you can just, if you're opening a new database connection every time you need to read and you're like, deploy this to something like AWS Lambda or Cloudflare Workers, then you could potentially swamp your database with connection requests. Do you have any thoughts about how you handle reads? Yeah, 100%. So I'm, I'm glad you asked about that. So Remix can either run in a persistent server environment, which in that case, you would you would boot your node app uh, on your, your provider of choice. You would boot your node app, you would open your database connection and then just don't boot more instances than your database can handle and you should be all right, right? Or use, use traditional like connection pooling or something like that. Um, 
which is which would be fine. Remix also runs on uh, serverless providers like Cloudflare Workers or Lambda, in which case I think you you probably want to steer clear usually of that model. I, you know what's interesting is most of these serverless function, these cloud function providers, what they usually end up doing is giving you a database as well. Right. So if Cloudflare Workers has their Cloudflare KV store and they've also got their durable objects. Um, AWS will give you um I'm spacing on it right now. They've got Lambda and then they've got the uh, uh not, Yeah, I was gonna say Dynamo, but I thought there was I thought there was another one that was called, but anyway, sorry. But yeah, they'll they'll usually say, you know, we'll 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 give you the runtime and then we'll also give you a, a database. Um, that that works with that runtime, right? That scales with that runtime, and according to the the programming model. Um, but yeah, so you you can our our goal is um, really to to be able to run Remix anywhere, and so we don't have too many opinions about like how you establish the database connection, how you pull it, how many instances there are. Um, you you handle that according to your own uh, to your own uh, you know requirements. The thing that we do handle for you, which is pretty cool, is we give you tools for both like like for the client side of things, right? So for caching the data, for automatically keeping the data fresh on the page as changes happen on your server, as as forms are submitted and mutations happen, uh, we're automatically able to know, you know, which data is invalidated by that change and we can refresh it for you. One of the core ideas behind React Router has always been that it's a nested router. And this is this is an idea that I feel like uh, is is an idea that doesn't get nearly enough. Uh, pe- people, once they get it, they really, really like it. But if they don't get it, they don't see why it's such a huge advantage. But one one thing that we've seen with with the nested route, so so the idea of nested routing is basically that any, any website that you go to, and there's actually a really great example uh, explanation of this on reactrouter.com right now. We just launched it today on our new site. But basically most web apps are are kind of a set of boxes inside boxes. So you take a traditional web app like the one that we're all familiar with, like like GitHub, right? You go to github.com, you've got at least three, maybe four levels of routing depending on what page you're looking at, right? So if you've got the top uh, sort of global nav, and then if you're at a repository, you've got the repository nav, which is sort of just under that. And then maybe you're looking at a list of files, uh, a certain directory. So this is like the current directory nav that's underneath that, right? So you've got at least three nested boxes there that we would represent all with different routes in React Router. If you go into your settings page, you have even an- a- another nav on the left. And then you're, as you click through that, you're, 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 page is changing over on the right-hand side, if you're familiar with that UI. So that would be like four levels of nested routes on a single page. And one of the things that we we do for you in Remix with regards to loading the data is we know how to load the data for an individual route. So let's say you are on that, you know, that file browser UI on GitHub and you click on, um, you click on a, uh, a directory and you want to go and see the files in that directory. We don't actually have to go and load all of the data for the subnav, for the repo nav, and for the global nav. The only data you actually really need is just the data for that directory. Uh, and you know we're able to do this. We're able to express this by associating a loader with each different route that's on the page. So for the loader for the for the file browser UI, you say, okay, I'll just take a look at the directory path, load the data that I need there. But as you transition around on the client you sort of declare your data dependencies in one spot. And then as you navigate around, we'll automatically go and fetch that data for you and, and it'll show up in the right place um, without invalidating any of the other data that you've already loaded for other things on the page, right? And it's, and it's by the way, it's, not, it's also not cached in memory, right? So if you, it's cached, as we discussed earlier in the HTTP cache. So if you go and hit the refresh button, um, you're, you're going to hit the browser's cache, assuming you've done caching correctly, and that page is going to pop right back up. So so we do handle a lot of your data concerns up front for you. But another thing that I wanted to talk about is just um, just the power of of finding the right models. You know, um, one thing that the GraphQL community talks about a lot is the 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 
the power and the expressiveness of in the GraphQL language helps to prevent like overfetching. Something they talk about a lot, which is, you know, if, if you built a large app, like if you've ever built like a, like a, like a Twitter client or a GitHub client or something, and you see the payloads that come back from these services, like there's, there's, there's pretty large objects, right? It seems kind of inevitable that your data model sort of just keeps growing the more features you add to your product. And so overfetching data is actually a huge problem for a company like Facebook and for a company like GitHub or, or, or Twitter. It would be a huge problem because anytime you want to go and fetch a feed or a, or a user object, even just something as simple as that, uh, you get all these properties back. And so GraphQL solves that by saying, okay, we're going to give you this little object syntax and you can say, okay, I just want these couple of properties. And now you, now you, you've solved the problem of overfetching, right? Um, Remix actually does, will solve that problem for you in a, in a more general way uh, without inventing a new query language. So you've got, I, I mentioned these loader functions. You associate a loader with each route and you can go and run your MySQL query or your Postgres query or whatever you want, or your fetch. You can go query whatever database you want, file system. And then you can do your mapping and your filtering and your sorting, your data massaging, whatever you want to do right there in your loader um, and, and just pare it down to exactly what you need for the view in that loader. There's no special query language. It's just JavaScript. You're just using JavaScript to, to map over these objects and, and return only the data that you need. But it's solving the exact same concern that, that GraphQL solves, right? And I realize that GraphQL solves a bunch more stuff that we're not even talking about here stitching together multiple data sources, things like that. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's a concern nonetheless for a lot of big companies. And it's, I think uh, finding the right abstraction for it um, can be something as simple as just give me a function. Tell me what, what's the URL? What are the parameters that I'm looking at? You know, out of the URL, what's the query string look like? Uh, what's the session? Okay, using that information, go and fetch the data, pare it down. And now I'm not overfetching anymore. So we, we do have a lot of opinions about about data, a lot of opinions about how to manage data and, and do it right. We try to stay out of the you know, business of telling you exactly how to manage your database connections because that can change uh, depending on your environment, depending on what kind of app you're building. Yeah, I think the the nested router structure that Remix provides is, is pretty interesting and compelling because when I first started using Next.js, the the coolest thing to me was that my pages folder was just all my pages. And that was like super easy to grok. Whereas with Remix, the having your, your nested router be your file system also made the React routing, nested routing structure really click for me. It was like, oh, that's what it is. So I think that's like, that's one of the really cool features of Remix to me. Uh, the, the docs mention how this maximizes network efficiency. Is that just because... Uh, all these different parts of your nested routes can be cached individually? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really cool, right? So you could say, you could say, for example, um, going back to that GitHub UI, right? Or, or, or let's say like I was to build like an unpackaged browsing UI. Like I could say, okay, this, this, this file system hardly ever changes, right? So I'm going to cache this for a really, really long time. That's just a portion of the data needed for the page, right? But it's got a super long cache time. Uh, this other piece of data up here, this session data, I'm not going to cache that at all because that could change once they hit the logout button and it, it can change between requests if they, if it session times out or whatever, I don't know. So that's, that's data that's sort of needed in the global nav. So I'm not going to cache that at all. So you can have essentially different cache policies for different pieces of data on the same page, uh, which it really, it really helps you to kind of like fine tune it, if you will, you know, you, you don't have to say like, okay, all of the data for this page is cached like this. You can slice up the page and decide how to cache different pieces of it. The way a remix file is structured, like makes that, that's so ergonomic. I love how you can just have, you export a loader function, you export a meta, some headers. It's all right there and very easy to, to wrap your head around. You're not jumping around different places in your app, trying to set cache headers. You're, you're just in that file and you say, cache this for however long I want this to be cached. It's that, that API. I love the DX. Thank you. That's, uh, that's great feedback. Um, and, and I'm glad earlier that you said earlier, you said when I saw the routes on the file system, that's kind of what made the nested routing sort of click for me. 
I, I think that's a great way to to visualize it. But yeah, that was one of the one of the tricks that we had to do actually to to get all of that because what you what you're talking about here is you're talking about like localization, right? Of of code of responsibilities, right? So I've, I've got my component in the same file where I have my data loader, and I think that's when when people use Remix, a lot of times they'll say, "Oh, this feels very productive." This I think that's what people are talking about when they say. Oh, this feels like PHP, or or it could be like uh, Visual Basic if if that's how you got started programming. But there was this there was this way that a lot of us got started programming that was highly productive because you would just make your database query and you would loop through the data and you would print your list in the HTML and you would flush and you would send to the client and that was it. And it was highly 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 productive. You weren't building. You weren't worried about optimizing and building e-commerce sites that were going to serve millions of users or whatever. Maybe you were just building something simple, but it was productive because of that localization, because you had everything right there inside of the same file. And so what we've done is we've, we've kind of taken a cue from that and we put everything in the same file that you need for a route. So you can specify your meta tags in there. You can specify any specific custom HTTP headers that you want when they hit that route and it's server rendered. Uh, yeah, obviously your data and then and then also your data mutations. So if there's a form in your component, there's an action file right there in the exact same route that that form is going to hit. You can do styling. Uh, styling is something we haven't even talked about. You can uh, sort of associate styles with certain routes. The really nice thing and the really interesting thing about that um, that I think front-end developers are really going to love is traditionally, like, what is the biggest problem with CSS, it's it's selectors. <laughs> that's the problem, right? It's is clashing selectors, and that's the thing that you know CSS and JS is trying to solve, and they're trying to solve it with CSS modules, and like that's the that's like the biggest pain is these selectors. One of the the interesting things that we can do is when we apply nested routes to that problem, uh, what we can say is. Um, so again, let's let's go back to the you know the, the the this this idea of this nested UI. Maybe it's a GitHub or or something like that, where you you're loading a different style sheet for each route that's nested there. If you have a deeply nested route that leaves the page, we will take that route's style sheet off the page as well, and then another and then a new route shows up and its style sheet gets added to the page. So if those two routes, those two sibling routes, which are deeply nested, have you know, some sort of conflict, like a conflicting class name. But traditionally, you would take all that CSS and you would bundle it up into a single file. And then you would have to worry about precedence and you would have to worry about clashing names and things like that. Uh, but it's it's just a concern that you don't even have because we don't actually put those style sheets on the page at the same time. Um, and and so it's, it's, it's like the, uh, you know, this, this problem of CSS having a global namespace uh, is is a lot less of a problem now. Um, and so lots of times what we find ourselves doing is we're like, okay, so it feels like the playing field has changed a little bit. Let's just write some CSS here. Let's just write some some plain old CSS uh, and, and kind of see how that scales. And it's actually been working out really, really well for us. I, I think that's what people have been after for a while now with like component-based CSS and module CSS modules is like, oh, I just want the CSS to be scoped to this component and that's it. I don't want it to go anywhere else. And we've got that at the route level um, without resorting to name mangling and stuff through your bundle. We just say, once that route is off the page, it's style sheet, it's done. So yeah, we, we really take that, that, that idea of localization and we kind of max it out. And I think that's what people mean when they say, oh, you know, Remix kind of feels like, kind of feels like PHP. <laughs> I think what, I think what that's, that's code language for this feels like it's really productive, but I can't put my finger on it. And I think that I think that's it's that localization that you're talking about, Andrew, is is what people really like. It's what they feel productive. Out of curiosity, do you handle anything around page transitions? Like, I mean, it, building something on the platform, especially if you're just building a, like a sort of traditional, mostly static site, handling page transitions, if you're doing anything special with them is really hard. Is that something that y'all have opinions on? I'm so glad you asked. Yes, absolutely. So to, to your point, if you've ever tried 
to do a page transition, uh, you'll like, and really make it nice. I'm talking about really nice, right? It's a lot of work, right? You're, you're going to have to worry about how am I going to handle errors? First of all, what I'm going to, what am I going to show the user while we're doing this transition? Heaven forbid, you've got like multiple requests going to multiple places at the same time. That's just, that's just not going to happen, right? On both sites. What should we show them? In the meantime, let's say they just submitted a form. What should we show them? Should we show them that that record has already been created or not? Another thing that you're going to have to worry about is how do we cancel pending requests, right? We just we just made a request to the server. Oh, the user's out of here. They're going somewhere else. They're transitioning elsewhere. Do we care about that? Or they, they're clicking on this button really fast and they're submitting the form like again and again and again. Do we cancel previous requests because maybe the data in the form is new and like, like there's so many things to think about. Um, and so we've actually built a, we call it the transition manager, but it's basically this idea of, uh, we're going to help you handle that. So we've got this hook, uh, called use transition, uh, which will basically tell you the, the status of the current transition. Are you you know, are you submitting or are, are you on your way back? Did the, did the, when we submitted the form, did it do a redirect? Are we on our way somewhere else? I will also tell you, for example, the, the, the form data that you submitted in that transition. And then it'll tell you, obviously, the, the response, the result that came back from the server when you actually did a transition. So like a, like a mutation. Um, and, and one of my favorite demos is to sort of model like a form being submitted or, or, a, or a mutation happening. Uh, without Remix or even with a, 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 like a, a basic like fetch library. If you were just going to use window.fetch or if you're going to use like React Query or something, there's a lot of sort of state that you have to think about when you are, uh, when you're doing that. Um, and, uh, and a lot of it just kind of melts away when you're using Remix because uh, we've, we've sort of tried to abstract a lot of that away for you. So it's, 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 literally just a hook. And then you have, you automatically have all the state that you need. And you can think again, I think, I think one of the things that's really difficult about that is when React came along, I think it was so revolutionary because people could think about the page in snapshots. You could look at your component render method. You look at the props, you look at the state, given this information, what do I need to render? And I'm not going to worry about time here. I'm not going to worry about what it used to look like. What does it need to look like next time? All I have to think about is right now with this props and this state, here's the markup. And, uh, and I think what, what is difficult about transitions is now time is involved. It's now like, okay, what state are we in? And what our use transition hook does is it gets us back to that point where we can just think in snapshots again. So I can just pull out the transition data and I can say, oh, I, I know what state I'm in, or I know what data was submitted, or I know what response came back from the server where I know we're redirecting and we're going over here to a different place. And so you, you can think again, snapshots, and you don't have to worry about accumulating four or five pieces of state to manage that transition yourself. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. super cool. We just touched on some of the cooler DX features of Remix. What I took away from the docs is one of the, like the main tenets of Remix seems to be abstracting away the server to where you don't even really know servers there. You're just exporting some functions. What other fun DX features are in Remix that we haven't talked about yet? It's kind of funny that you say it that way because we didn't, it's kind of funny that you said it was one of our core tenets because we didn't like intend to abstract away the server. It just kind of happened. <laughs> we were we were just kind of like, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of glad that it happened, honestly, because Remix really is a framework for front-end developers. I'm a back-end dev myself. I've, 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 of course, I've done a lot of stuff in React, but my background is in like DevOps and I used to run clusters of servers on AWS and all that kind of stuff. I've obviously done a ton of JavaScript in my career, but I, I feel I, I configure DNS and all that kind of stuff or DNS and, 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 and manage servers a lot. Ryan kind of comes at things from the other angle, right? He's like very accessibility focused. So I think we're actually a good, good pair in that regard, but it wasn't, I, 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 I really value the ability for people to, to get in there and, and, and to work on the server, to do the things that they need to do, do the kinds of optimizations that they need to make uh, on the server. And so I wasn't trying to abstract it away or hide it from you. 
what I think we've come up with is is a model that makes it really easy to model lots of different transactions in the sort of same kind of way. And, and it's really not a new model. It's just the request response cycle. But like we already talked about, that ability to access those requests and responses right there in your, with your component code, that, that localization that kind of makes it, gives it that little bit of magic. I think we've hit on, honestly, most of the, the DX improvements that we're trying to make thus far with Remix V1. We've got a lot more stuff that we, that we want to build in the future. One of the projects that we, that we are going to be integrating very soon is um, the Reach UI project. So building accessible React apps is a challenge, I think, for a lot of teams. Accessibility is it's like, yeah, we'll get to it, but we, you know, we really have to ship right now. So we'll, it's, it's kind of a V2 thing. It's kind of a back burner thing. But we want to make it first class, like very, very easy to build really rich and accessible experiences in Remix. And it's, it's, I, I hope that it shows in the work that we do. It's something that we focus on all the time. So if you go to any of our sites, like you'll, you, or even the new reactorouter.com, like you should see that there's, there's an emphasis there on, on accessibility. And so that's something that you can expect from us is, is a lot of focus there. Another thing that you can expect from us is just better tools around building the site. So we recently announced that we're funded, that we're, we went out and hired some folks who've been helping us. They've been great. They've been amazing. We're still looking for more amazing, amazing folks who isn't, <laughs> but we, we, we think we've got something special here that we're excited about building. Some of the stuff that we would like to build is, is basically just, you know, everything that goes along with, with building your site. Our, our original plan was like, okay, we're just going to sell, we're just going to sell remix the code. And then I realized like, that's, that's just not going to work, right? Like it, it's a, it's too good. I don't want to, I don't want to put this thing behind a paywall. I want people to be able to, to fork this. I want them to be able to remix, remix. I want them to be able to contribute patches and suggestions and PRs. I want them to be able to take the ideas that we have and not use remix and just make the web better. I don't want to like hoard this to myself, but that leaves us with, okay, so how are we going to, what, like, what are we actually, how are we going to actually make a business out of this? Uh, so the plan right now is, you know, we'll give you Remix. We'll give you React Router. Remix is going to work great everywhere. It's not going to just work on a specific type of server. It's going to work great everywhere. And we're going to build a community that we are going to, you know, we'll build other services that we can, you know, offer real value to that community. Um, one one thing that I think could use a lot of improvement is something as simple as image hosting or something as simple as an authentication service. You know, I think with the kind of care and attention to detail that we've given to Remix itself, I think if we apply that same care and detail to these other offerings, I think we can provide some really, really cool, some really special stuff for the Remix community. Again, Remix is always going to work really, really well on whatever server you want to deploy it to. You don't want to buy anything from us, that's fine. You can go deploy it on AWS Lambda, have a nice day. But, uh, but our plan is to, to offer you that same kind of level of experience that you're used to with Remix, with all the other services that you need to run your Remix app um, and, and capture at least a segment of the market that way and, and build a sustainable business on it. Awesome, that's awesome, yeah. Um pretty excited that you are going open source. It's it's a big decision. It definitely changes your business model quite a bit. And speaking of business, just kind of before we wrap up, I'm just curious about, you know, the pandemic changed a lot of things for, for all of us. But I, I know that pre-pandemic, y'all were really heavily invested in, in doing React training. And that was sort of the, 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 big sort of focus and then now you're you've been working a lot on remix and building that into a product and company how has the the pandemic sort of changed your your perspective on like how you approach uh, the business and and did it like seed this idea of or at least give you the inspiration to to spend more time investing in something like remix yeah, I'm glad you asked. So pre-pandemic, Ryan and I, we, we still do have this company. It's called reacttraining.com. But we spent the, the, the five years before the pandemic going around and training software teams all over the world. 
So we trained, I think the last company that I trained right before the pandemic hit last year was Google. I was up in San Francisco doing a React training session with the Google AMP team. We've trained many, many developers all over the world at a lot of the top tier tech firms and also at just a lot of just regular consulting firms, lots and lots of different people using React Router, using Redux, using all sorts of different stacks. And obviously when the pandemic hit, you couldn't get people, you couldn't get 20 people into a room anymore. And so a lot of our trainings went online, but a lot of people were even affected even further financially and they just couldn't afford the training. They just couldn't do it anymore. We still do quite a bit of training, but not as nearly as much as, as we used to do. And so Ryan and I kind of had a decision, you know, like the, the, the React Router project was always, we've worked on that for a long time, but it was always sort of, uh, we had the, we had the React Router project and then we had the training business. And I think a lot of people sort of looked at the two and were a little confused, especially if they didn't know us from like the early days. Like if you knew us from, you know, 2014, you knew like, oh, okay, these guys built the router and then they went and they decided to offer these training workshops. But it's like, you, you knew the story, right? But, uh, but if you didn't know that story, you might go to the React Router docs and be like, why are these on a React training website? Like, I don't, is this the company? Like, is this just a company that has really good SEO that like put up, decided to document React Router? Like who, who are these people? Like why, how are these related? You know, cause they don't, they don't really seem related. And so, uh, so there was a, there was a kind of a weird perception there and that we, and we heard that from, from a few folks. And what I think the pandemic did for us is it helped us to kind of bring things into focus a little bit, right? So we can say, um, we're not now an open source company that offers training. We are now a, a software company. We're a, an open source software company. So we're, we're doubling down on React Router, which has always been our core competence. And we've maintained it now for years. We're doubling down on that. We're building React Router++ or you know, Remix, which is going to help you build even more powerful experiences with React Router. We're going to give you all of those opinions that we've built up over years of doing this ourselves and working with all of the top tier tech firms all across the country and, and across the world even. And we're going to take all of that and we're going to, we're going to put it in a software package that we think is, is going to help you build better websites. The incentive for us, I think are, is really well aligned. Like we have a really, really strong incentive now to make React Router amazing because it's going to power Remix and we want Remix to be amazing because that's going to power our business, right? So it's all lined up really, really clear now, um, which is what I mean when I say bringing things into focus, whereas it, it, it wasn't necessarily lined up before, right? We had this router, which was a popular open source project, and then we had a training business. And the router was good publicity for the training business, which is the thing that put food on the table, but the router was more of like a marketing piece instead of being like a core piece of technology that we were building our business on. So... Um, so I think it's I think it's just helped to bring things into focus for us, which lots of times constraints do that. If you're fired or if you're going through, you know, a, a pandemic or a famine or or whatever kind of like super hard thing comes your way in your life, I think it's it's a forcing function that kind of forces you to focus in on okay, what do I what do I really want to do? What do I really care about? Eliminate the cruft and and just focus in on that and do that. So so yeah, the, the, the pandemic uh, kind of took a toll on our last business and that was super rough. Not going to lie. That was super, super rough. We had uh, 90% of our revenues were just wiped out last March. 90% of the business that we had booked that month just gone out the window. Uh, so it, it was hard on our business, but I think we, I think we made the best of it and I couldn't be more excited for where we're going now and what we're working on now. Yeah, definitely. Sorry to hear about the the impact to your business. I mean, it was pandemic as normalized as sometimes it feels now is still just this like really, you know, crazy influential part of our times. Yeah. You know, it just it's it's been incredibly impactful, but super excited to see uh, the new direction and, and all the work, great work coming out of Remix and whatever you decide to build with it next. It'll be uh, it'll be exciting to follow. Cool. I think we've covered most of our questions now. All, all we have left is uh, tool tips. 
So I am going to share first. Mine is a 3D design tool called Spline. It has nothing to do with development, but this was my first foray into trying anything 3D modeling related, and it was super easy to use. I enjoyed using it a lot. I used it to create the new DevTools FM logo on our website. And if you've ever used something like Framer, you're going to feel, or not Framer, uh, Figma, you're going to feel right at home in this tool because it's basically Figma for 3D. So learning the UI for me took all but a few hours, and then I was able to make really nice, high-fidelity, blobby-looking 3D images. So highly recommended for anybody who wants to dip a toe into 3D modeling. That looks awesome. Spline.design. It's, it's super cool. They sort of have these exports where you can, you know, pretty easily embed it into the web. So if you want, you know, uh, a site that has 3D elements that are also interactable, like you can hover over it, you can click it or whatever, it'll like give you the tools to do that. It's, it's really fun. I really want to make an interactive remix logo now, like a blobby squishy. Cause our, <laughs> our logo is like this, like, uh, it's like this thing that kind of glows and, uh, I'm just like, all the all the all the examples on this site are like these glowing sort of neon <laughs> things, so I just I really want to play with it. Very cool. Yeah, it it was fun to learn. I was inspired by the developer Josh Kamau. He does a lot of like three D modeling for his his tutorials, and I I enjoy those visuals a lot. Given that I'm at Oxide, I'm doing a lot of Rust these days, and we talked a little bit about it briefly, but we have some constraints where, as at least of as of right now, we're not using Node. We're trying to think about like, okay, if we still want to do server-side rendering, what are our options? Given that we're a Rust shop, I, I started investigating options for integrating V8 into Rust to be able to do some server-side rendering. And I, and I came across this project called SSRRS, uh, which is server-side rendering in a Rust-like environment. It, essentially, all it is is just uh, a library to delegate things to V8 to be able to server-side render them. So if you want to have some integration with your Rust backend code and potentially do some server-side rendering, it might be it might be an option. How's it going with Rust? I mean, so so Oxide is all Rust all the time. They're they're pretty deep in it. I'm still learning. You know, I'm mostly I've mostly been doing TypeScript over the last few years, and mm -hmm. it's it's a pretty high learning curve. I mean, there's Rust. The language is is pretty rich. The type system is has taken a little bit of getting used to, yeah. especially like the mental models that I have from TypeScript don't necessarily translate over very well. Mm -hmm. And then Rust also has, it uses the, it's macro system a lot to, to, to sort of like make code more portable and to do a lot of things. And, and the macro system is also a, kind of a, a high learning curve thing. It's like uh, I was telling Andrew earlier, it's kind of like writing code mods that just run at compile time. So it's kind of an interesting, yeah. interesting mechanism of writing code, but, but yeah, I'm enjoying it so far. Just, mm -hmm. just a lot to learn. Yeah. So, so, so many of the smart people that I know using rust and I'm like, you know how, when you see that happen, you're like, dang it. I have, I just have to go learn this thing now. <laughs> I bet I, yeah, I, I, whenever I see a bunch of smart people that I know gravitating towards something, I'm like, okay, I need to go check that out. Yeah. It's definitely interesting. It is not, I mean, I, the, the community is great and they focus a lot on making it approachable, mm -hmm. even though it is, it's a hard, it's a hard language in a really hard domain. I mean, cause systems programming is non-trivial just broadly. And, and I think Rust makes that story a lot better mm -hmm. even though it's not necessarily simpler if you will yeah yeah makes sense one one thing that i've been using a lot lately is fly.io fly.io is a really cool service that we've really been enjoying i i first caught wind of this maybe like a year or two ago i, I can't remember who told me about it but i probably saw it on twitter and i i just was idly like tweeting one day like so Unpackage is this project that I mentioned earlier. It gets it gets like an insane amount of traffic. <laughs> and and for the last couple of years, it's been stressing me out. Like, how am I going to host this thing? I've I've partnered with various companies over the years who have kind of sponsored me, but but I was I was always like on the hook to find somebody like for the next year. And so I was just idly like thinking one day, like, oh, it'd be so nice if I could use Fly because um, the cool thing about Fly is they have this cool Anycast network. So any request that comes into the network, they're 
able to uh, automatically route it to the closest data center and, and unpackage is used by people all over the world. So I knew that it would be uh, a, a really good fit for them. And so I, I was just idly tweeting about it like, hey, I, I really wish it, but I, I just don't, I just don't think I can afford it, you know, because unpackage gets so much traffic. And, and one of the founders reached out, Kurt Mackey, and he's like, He's like, yeah, man, I got you. Let's do this. <laughs> so it was totally awesome because we got Unpackaged deployed on Fly and Unpackaged runs there now. And and since then, we've deployed a lot of Remix stuff to Fly. Remix.run runs on Fly. The new ReactRouter.com that we just launched today runs on Fly. And it's just this super, super friendly model. Remix is is, is for front-end devs. I, I told you I have a lot of DevOps experience, but I don't particularly enjoy like Kubernetes and Docker and all that stuff. Um, Fly feels like, to me, it feels like the perfect kind of trade-off between, you know, getting really, really deep into the DevOps stuff and, you know, and and not having enough of it, you know? It feels like, uh, it feels like this nice trade-off. You can allocate different server instances at lots of different data centers around the world. You don't have to worry about setting up the network. They're going to sort of take care of that one for you. You can do, even do things like allocate volumes and things. They have great docs. They have great guides on how to you know deploy anything you want. And we've been yeah we've been kind of pointing a lot of our remix users like hey maybe I want to check these guys out. Maybe you want to go and check out Fly. So yeah that that's kind of my my tool tip if I have one is check it out. It's it's made and and they're and they're they're you know their bandwidth and costs are like crazy cheap. Like that's just, it's, it's so crazy to me these days, how cheap it is to run servers. You know, I think that was a big argument against running your own server in the past. It was like, oh man, I'm gonna have to pay Heroku, you know, 30 bucks a month. Like that's, you know, that's a nice meal. <laughs> but honestly, you, you run these things for pennies now, pennies, you know? And yeah, they're, they're definitely, they've got a really, really strong pricing structure. That's I think going to work well for a lot of people. And just super great folks too. Yeah, I was going to say, they're a really great company. I love their blog. It's like the their technical articles they write are just top notch. Yeah. Recently, they hired uh, Chris McCord, who's behind the, the Phoenix project in the, Elixir, mm. in the Elixir ecosystem, which I'm I'm an Elixir fanboy. It's, it's, to me, one of the most exciting sort of like spaces right now in software. So I, I just consume lots of elixir media so everything that comes out of there is, is really interesting and and fly in particular are doing a lot of really interesting things in that space particularly when it comes to elixir stuff so yeah yeah totally it's a good one well i think that about wraps it up for this week's episode of dev tools fm thanks michael for coming on this was a, an awesome conversation it, it was intensely interesting at various points for me i i, I love this episode Hey, thank you guys so much for having me. It was a pleasure to be here. Hopefully I can come back in six months and we can talk about, you know, a lot of the stuff that we've done since then. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be such a pleasure. Be sure to follow us on YouTube and wherever you consume your podcasts. Thanks for listening.